production value that, we got a theme song that gives me chills and are they multiplying i don't know oh. <laughs> <laughs> no the multiplying thing that's something else i think it's uh, crap i've heard i've heard this intro probably <laughs> 10 times now and every time i like it a little bit more and more it's fun it's different it's not us picking a random song from spotify Playing 10 seconds and saying, welcome to the scene on screen podcast. Yeah. What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm well. Thanks for asking. I thought I would. Yeah. Uh, things are things are slowly getting back to normal. We, uh, you know, Ontario has opened up retail again. You went to work today, buddy. I'm proud yeah, of you. First time in like two months. It was great. Uh yeah, nobody's social distancing anymore. It's it's awesome. Uh, Actually, it's scary as shit. I went to the uh, the gas station the other day because I was like, oh, I, I need some fuel to get home. And I uh, I realized and by that, that you mean also... Doritos, right? Actually, I was really really tired, so I walked in to get a Red Bull. Just mistake number one. Yeah, I was like, I work I work in Toronto and I live in Kitchener, but I was like, oh man, I don't want to like get the doses halfway home, right? So uh. I go in there, and you know how they pe- put the the stickers six feet apart on the floor. Yeah, there were people three don't... people in between me and the three. St- yeah, the people don't understand what the stickers mean. People don't understand what the arrows mean in grocery stores. No, today, but today I went grocery shopping. Like the, the thing wild about west out there. the thing is about following the arrows is that whoever put those in the store did not know how the flow of traffic goes in a grocery store. In the a flow grocery of store, traffic goes. Whatever way the arrow is not pointing is where people will walk. Yeah. But. Can, can I have a, a, a two second rant before we get going? Uh, yeah. I, 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 need, I need to out somebody. I have no idea who this person was, but I'm really mad at them. And I kept my mouth shut in the grocery store. My mouth was hidden behind a mask because pretty boy Trudeau asked us to wear masks while we were at the grocery store. So we listened. And that's fine. That's cool. But. This person literally was wearing plastic gloves as their protective equipment, holding their cell phone, talking on speakerphone loudly and coughing at the same time, not in the general direction of like the store, but into the, the fridge of chicken. Do you know how fast I turned around and not <laughs> bought chicken? Not, a, you know, not only are these gloves not protecting anything, but everything she's touching just has her spit all over it. We saw someone eating like a burger or something like that while wearing gloves. <laughs> it was so stupid. But re- real talk on the other side, don't be a piece of shit and throw your gloves out the car window. That's also true. Yeah. Don't be that person. Yeah. Or don't be the person who, I don't know, um, spoofs an internet poll for personal gain and the fact that they're butthurt. That's also true, but before we get to that, this is the start of uh, our season two of <laughs> the Scene on Screen podcast. That is did very you, true. Did you forget that? 
It's I our, did. I got really animated and excited and it's upset our, about it's the chicken our lady. Second birthday, or is this our first birthday? Because happy birthday. That depending on how how you want to view age. Yeah, it's the second birthday of our podcast since our you know third rebranding. Uh, second rebranding. We were only two shows. That's but true. We also left Devin and Ty in the dust. Uh, yeah, they, they <laughs> moved on to, to other things, and we stayed yeah. here. Yeah, uh, but stayed, you, yeah. you will notice, listeners, we do have a a birthday present to us was better production value and yeah, uh, we got a little some, bit better uh, stuff. Yeah, we're on the new uh, using the new platforms. Yeah, and and hopefully going to sound a little more pro fresh professional yeah professional but you know what wasn't pro fresh rotten tomatoes oh you already ruined the quiz yeah okay so for anyone who has been focused on the internet for the last few days rotten tomatoes has been running a summer movies ultimate summer movie user poll voting system thing now you should like mention that it's only like summer movie showdown um, but it was a lot of blockbusters like yeah. that. The bracket really just had like the Indiana Jones series, the first six Star Wars, a few Avengers movies and the Iron Man saga, but nothing else. Yeah, uh, there was multiple Jurassic Parks. And so I think the idea was movies. I think the movie, the idea was uh, movies that came out in the summer or some No, because some of these didn't. But whatever. So anyways, so. The uh, bad uh brackets aside because some of these are just stupid um round four or whatever <laughs> pitted the the biggest one was it was pretty much every star wars movie versus like something else uh but revenge of the sith was against endgame and so anyone who follows the prequel means subreddit or the star wars subreddit or original OT memes and stuff like that. They're some of the largest subreddits on the internet um, with just over 1.4 million subscribers to like each. So obviously, you know, Star Wars fans are going to go in and vote for their favorite movie. Um, And even if, even if, you know, you think that Endgame was better than Revenge of the Sith and that's not why we're here. Yeah, I know you do. There was just more people voting for for the Star Wars films because Ron Tomatoes literally made this poll that was like, "Oh, hey guys, uh, vote for your favorite movie." Right? No form of um, like not security, but like there's no like captcha thing to prevent like bots or you know people from voting multiple times. But were there cookies? All it was was a cookie that prevented you from from voting multiple times. All you have to do is clear your your browser cache or use an incognito mode, and you can vote multiple times. So, anyways, Star Wars fans came out, voted for the Star Wars movies, and Revenge of the Sith beat Endgame by almost uh, like eighty percent to twenty percent or something. Like that. It was like eighty-one to nineteen. So then the Rotten Tomatoes. So actually, with that being said, I think Star Wars beat out every movie in the MCU. Yeah. Empire Strikes Back beat out Civil War. Revenge of the Sith beat out Endgame. Uh, Return of the Jedi beat out Iron Man. And yeah. Okay. So with that being said, the editors for this 
poll on Rotten Tomatoes came out and pretty much were making like they made essentially a snarky comment slash accusation that you know a bunch of Star Wars nerds just came out and drove to purposely beat out Endgame, which is literally what they were asking us to do. Uh, so then that kind of pissed everyone off. So it turned into this like competition, right? Cause like everyone was like, Oh yeah, like we can do this. Dark Knight rises versus revenge of the Sith. Dark Knight rises is quite possibly the worst in the, uh, Michael Keaton Batman series. Whoa, 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 whoa <laughs> Just making sure you're paying attention. I'm just making sure you're paying attention. Uh, I was going to say, that is not Keaton's Batman. <laughs> uh, no, B- Dark Knight Rises is quite possibly the worst in the uh, Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy, right? So uh, Re- Revenge of the Sith was waiting for quite some time until early hours of the morning on uh saturday sunday monday yeah monday something like that uh the percentage of votes went very off tilt so revenge of the sith was winning by again like it was like 80 percent and then that was the one with the wookies and harrison ford and um the good acting that one you're thinking of uh attack of the clones um okay yeah you can't no you're not gonna bother me with those statements anyways i mean i mean that statement was you're not gonna win no i'm just i'm mad they wasted the the two best actors in that movie they wasted i mean ewan mcgregor was fantastic but the natalie portman they literally just put on the bench they made her so bad she's not a very good actor anyway so what are you um, talking about? <laughs> We're getting off topic here. Are you are you just out here to hurt my feelings? A little bit. So ten minutes into season two, I'm done. <laughs> this is me leaving. She's gonna. All right. Uh, so, anyways, so now you threw me off. Okay, yeah, exactly. So in the early morning hours, in the morning, over the course of like two hours, the votes percentage changed from. Revenge of the Sith completely obliterating Dark Knight Rises to Dark Knight Rises having like a 55% vote to 45% Revenge of the Sith. And everyone's like, what the fuck is going on? Rotten Tomatoes must be fudging the numbers, which, you know, I think there was a little bit of that because there's no way that in two hours, you know, you have that much of a a change in votes, right? Makes sense. So uh, I guess it turns out, now, I'm not sure how accurate this is because, you know, I, I could go on the internet and make up a story about how I, you know, vote made Raiders of the Lost Ark win. But some Reddit user said that he created a bot to vote for Dark Knight Rises over Revenge of the Sith because he was annoyed at the prequel memes uh, or just memes being made about, you know, Star Wars beating out other movies. Literally, that's all this guy did. So it's funny because he, uh, Rotten Tomatoes had, like I said, no bot prevention on here. Even if it was just like, uh, you know, put an email in or you you had to be logged in or, or whatever it may be, you know, IP address blocked. Um, so yeah, he made this big thing and people are kind of pissed more about this guy than 
how Revenge of the Sith lost to the worst um, uh, Batman movie ever made. I wouldn't know. That's not the right. It's not the worst Batman movie. Maybe like second worst. That one with the Joker in it was pretty bad too. Um, <laughs> I'm. I'm. Oh, maybe Sean is gone. I don't know. No, no, you're just you're just making uh, some <laughs> very outlandish um, statement. I know, right? Like, so, the Dark Knight was so good. Heath Ledger was like, "I'm out," and that was his like swan song. No, Dark Knight Rises was awful. Yes, but you just said Dark Knight was bad. I know. I was just joking. I was just bugging you. Anyways, so people are more Batman annoyed. Is stupid. <laughs> Batman is stupid. People are more annoyed at this guy who created a a bot just to, you know, prove that he, I don't know, can piss off a bunch of people. And it, the funny thing is that he hasn't done anything to stop all of these like pre pre crawl memers, star Wars fans from voting for other star Wars movies. Right. But the, the, the big problem is, is that this isn't the first time that rotten tomatoes has kind of either fudged numbers or prevented users from, voicing their opinions and yeah, it didn't, really, it didn't really admit to anything was afoot, right? It was just really funny. So actually every day that they actually, that they had a, uh, like at the end of a bracket, when they started a new voting thing, they had a little statement um, and they actually got rid of all of the previous ones. And the only one that they, they have is talking about, you know, like what happened in the previous, you know, Revenge of the Sith, Dark Knight Rises, Return of the Jedi versus Finding Nemo, all that stuff. But they didn't do anything about the vote variation. So if we look at the numbers between uh, the three, there's four brackets. So the three regular ones was averaged about 1.2 million votes split between the two options, right? But then, okay, take take a wild guess at how many votes were split between Revenge of the Sith and Dark Knight Rises. Well, I already know the answer, so I'm going to say 100 million. No, it was 31.6 million votes. What's the population of Canada? Like 46 million? Yeah, so like majority of, that's like essentially the majority of Canada voted on this, this one Rotten Tomatoes poll. And the editors did not acknowledge anything about like how, oh, 31 million votes for, you know, between these two. Meanwhile, the other ones are only at like 1.2 million. It just, that is the problem. And when I was looking at this, like, whatever, I thought it was funny that like there was all these Star Wars things and people were getting up in arms about this. But this isn't the first time that Rotten Tomatoes has, you know, like I said, fudged numbers. Remember back when... um that one superhero movie came out with that girl in it. Uh, oh, the, the controversy uh, yeah. of Carol Danvers and Captain Marvel. Yes, Captain Marvel. Ron Tomatoes blocked any user reviews, and they were removing critic reviews that were negative. And they were actually – was it was it Captain Marvel? Or there was another one where they weren't releasing any review scores until like it was like two or three days after the movie had come out as well it was um it was the justice league and reviews came out literally at seven o'clock the night it was released yeah so and this Warner brothers paid a ton of money to make that happen and so here's the thing though right like this is Rotten tomatoes i would say is one of the more popular um 
movie review sites. Um, I don't necessarily go off of when I'm, I'm looking up movies. I rarely take into consideration the critic reviews because a lot of the times critics are like, that's their job is to find problems and stuff. And I think a lot of times if you do something for your job, that is like, for example, critiquing movies, or even if it's like a restaurant, you become so overly critical of stuff that it sucks the fun out of it. Right. So that's why I look into the user reviews because generally I find that uh, user reviews are more accurate to how a movie is compared to critic reviews. So like if we just look at Scoob, the new Scooby-Doo movie, currently it's sitting at a 52% uh, critic review and a 66% audience review. Now that's between a bad movie, you know, effectively like 52% is generally considered bad, even though 52 is a pass in school. Um, And a 66, which is not a bad movie. You know what I mean? So like, what do you, what in this case, what would you listen to? Are you going to ignore the movie because the critics say that it's only a 50% or the audience says that it's like 60, you know what I mean? So like the people that are watching it to, to enjoy it, I prefer that. But when Rotten Tomatoes, this is their job, right? This is, if there's no movies, if there's no reviews and stuff like that, then they wouldn't really have a website. Well, I feel like Rotten Tomatoes has always kind of gotten the same treatment um, IGN has versus like your GameSpot or your game trailers. And I believe Rotten Tomatoes and IGN are owned by the same people. Correct me if I'm wrong. But a lot of their reviews are heavily heavily biased by who's advertising on their website at the time. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at some of the controversial things even IGN has done in the last little bit, and like they are puppets of Sony um, yeah. with their Days Gone review. I'm trying to think of the other one that they reviewed. It was in between Days Gone and the last of uh, – or. Um, God of War, but there was something that was a Sony first party title and it wasn't very good, but they gave it like a, it's a masterpiece kind of review. But like that, that company and brand is kind of known for those kind of uh, controversial reviews, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I just think that uh, this little kind of summer poll that was supposed to be fun kind of showed how Rotten Tomatoes works behind the scene, you know, just if you look at the breakdown of the movies that were put against each other, it kind of looked like they were trying to set it up to go a certain way, right? Like they had, um, they had animal house versus star Wars, a new hope, but then like those two movies don't really like mix. Star Wars was one of the large biggest releases of all time at, right? Like it blew it, it was a huge game changer in cinema, right? Animal House, it's a comedy. Great movie, but a comedy. Then they put Jurassic Park and Smokey and the Bandit against each other. Like, those two don't really make much sense either, right? So I feel like they put this together knowing very well that Star Wars was going to beat out Animal House and that Jurassic Park was going to beat out um, smoking the bandit. Like it just didn't seem but like they there were also some like really like, big nail biters in there too. I, it right. It felt like the editors were trying to push some sort, not an like agenda, was, but um, trying to 
Shrek make it so and, that uh, you know men in black was money behind and you had the avengers and you uh, and um what's it called um Raider, was it raiders of the lost nope it was um phantom menace right? yes yeah uh avengers versus phantom menace yeah so it's just like it seemed like um if, if you look at this the way that they were matched up it kind of feels like they were putting certain movies that they thought were going to win or they knew were going to win over others and then once the Star Wars fans kind of get a hold of this, you know, they're going to obviously vote for that. And there's a lot of us. There's dozens of us. Um, but again, like it just kind of that was my biggest thought about this whole thing was that like if this is just a fun little poll, but if it can be manipulated so easily and if Ron Tomatoes, you know, if their editors don't even acknowledge it or really do anything to prevent it how credible are they in allowing um, like actual critic reviews and user reviews on stuff? And I, I know that it really only becomes a big problem when there's something of controversy up, such as Captain Marvel, right? When that movie came out um, or when studios pay to prevent, like, and obviously like we've, we've done stuff for, you know, video game reviews and whatnot in the past. And there's, there's embargoes, right? But generally when we've done those reviews, it's not because the game was horrible. Like I did a review back for Gears of War four when that came out. And I remember we had that game, well, it was like two weeks before. Um, And then there was a, uh, a review embargo and but the game wasn't bad yeah right um and that's normal right like a lot of times like when there's embargoes it's because they don't want spoilers to go out there right uh i don't know i just this whole thing kind of put a bad taste in my mouth again for rotten tomatoes um obviously it's one of the few places I find IMDB's rating system very difficult to kind of gauge on what is a good movie and what's a bad movie. Yeah. Um, Oh man, it just completely slipped my mind. Oh, well, um, I, Oh, I remember now. So when we should, we should note that like to our listeners, we used to actually be part of uh, a team of like game reviewers, David and I, uh, there was like five or six of us who would get like, we'd either have to buy games out of our own pocket or we'd be fortunate enough to receive um, some demo copies. And I remember there was a game sent to us by Nintendo where we had a writer write a brutally honest review. Uh, I think it was Pokemon Rumble U, if I remember correctly. And the this might have been just as you were joining Next Gem. Yeah. But um, Nintendo was just like, wow, thanks for the, the scathing review. And they were mad at us for a while. But like we gave it like a 2 out of 10. <laughs> it was just like an awful game. I think but, that was also at a time when the Wii U was like the only games that were doing well were the uh, first party Nintendo games. Because like now, if you look at reviews for for Nintendo games, there are some trash games out there, but they still get published because it makes Nintendo money. Yeah, and like I think that that's a, a very important thing to kind of like look at and note. Like some companies, they didn't line our pockets, and with a company like Nintendo, um, the industry secret is they 
typically give you a timed release. And once the game gets released, they disable your code and they make you buy the game. Or they like have you ship it back. Yeah, they used to do um, physical uh, copies for reviews, right? So you had to return it by a certain time. Yeah, we had... um, Why can't I think of the name? The Mario and Luigi puzzle game. What's that one called? Mario Um, and Luigi? Yeah, the the 3DS puzzle platformer that they have. Mario Um, and Luigi. Like the RPG type thing? Yeah, something like that. Um, I remember we ended up giving it back to them like a week late and they double charged us for shipping. It's pretty funny. Yeah. So, but I mean, you know, I like the, the thing is, is with this whole Ron Tomato things. And I, I, I know I'd mentioned it reviews and everything. It, when it comes down to it, can we really trust big companies to tell us, you know, what we're going to like, what's the best movies and all that? No, it, your be- the best review that you're going to get is your own. But I would rather I would trust my friends and the like the general public on how something is, than follow what a you know like what a critic says is good and isn't right. Like remember when Pokemon uh, Detective Pikachu came out? I'm Detective Pikachu. Yeah, yes. Um, I really enjoyed that movie. I thought it was, it was great. I thought it was very well done um, and very immersive. But then, if you look at some of the reviews, it was kind of like so-so, hit or miss with some people. But the thing is, is like if you looked at who was who was reviewing it, generally the people that were giving it a bad review were the older generation that never played Pokemon, that don't understand the concept behind it or what that movie was about or what it was doing for the the industry. But you have to remember, people also wanted a core Pokemon movie because they're greedy and they didn't get what they wanted, so they got pissed off. Yeah, and so it was—it was like one of those things that, like, you know, I—I'm going to go see that movie, and we're going to talk about it, and that's—that's that's what's most important. And really, if you ask anyone who's seen Detective Pikachu, they generally say that it's a pretty good movie, and actually, it was better than what they expected, right? I know, I know Angela loved it. We have giant Pikachu stuff everywhere now. I mean, the thing about um, Detective Pikachu that I've seen in comparisons, and like, I think this would be a good analogy off the top of my head, is people wanted a core Pokemon game as much as when they first released Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. People were like, oh, that's great. It's Pokemon Yellow, but we want more. And I think they wanted like a full out like Pokemon trainer type of Ash Ketchum story or like, um, oh, what the hell was that Pokemon movie that I just watched called? Um, the Mewtwo one. Yeah. We, we watched the reanimation one. Now you want to see something that's brutal under re- like it, it's a, an insanely beautiful movie. But as a kid, that movie must have been way more entertaining because that movie's awful. <laughs> well, like, I think that's so the thing. Is like, I think, though, if they had done a, a Pikachu or like a Pokemon movie that was based off of, you know, like the classic video games, red, blue, green, it would have actually done worse. Because for something that beloved, 
and so close to a lot of people, you know, there's the expectations were probably would have been way too high, right? Whereas Detective Pikachu, it was a 3DS game. It was kind of niche. You know, some people played it. I got it for uh, for Angela for for Christmas the one year because she thought it was so stupid at first, right? Because in that game, Pikachu sounded like a middle-aged man. But then she ended up playing it and loving it, right? And that's what kind of made the obsession for the Detective Pikachu movie. But for a lot of people, didn't play Detective Pikachu the game. So when they went and saw the movie, they didn't have any expectations. The trailers did a very the trailers did a great job of kind of like showing off like the the Pokemon in the in there and making the atmosphere or the environment feel alive. But then when you go to the movie, you know you don't know what to expect, so you don't have the expectations of like oh like where's Ash? Like I want to see you know Bulbasaur fight. I want to see the like Pokemon fight stuff like that. So. I think that's what made that a good movie. But the critics, you know, some of the, the critic reviews came off of saying like, oh, well, there's too much. Uh, it felt like they were just advertising Pokemon too much. Well, it's a fucking Pokemon movie, right? Um, they're, the people that – I'm getting worked up. The people that you want to trust for your, for your reviews though – generally are going to be your friends, right? Like the, the, and that's the cool thing about working in uh, a movie rental store is that I get to hear, you know, people's opinions on the movies that they saw when they return something, they can be like, Oh, you know, I like, I didn't really like that one. Or it's like, you know what? Like this one, you know, really surprised me. And that's, that's the, the things like, you know, I might not know these people at all, might not have any idea what their interests are, but you know what? The fact that they said, you know what? This one was surprisingly good you know, that's going to make me want to watch that one better or more. That's what I've heard surprisingly a lot about Sonic over the last little bit. Have you not seen Sonic yet? No. Okay, so we watched Sonic a few weeks ago. Um, and you know what? I was surprised. It was a good movie. Now, do I think it's better than Detective Pikachu? No, but I feel like it's a different. No bias, right there. No, not even. I think that it's a different, <laughs> a different movie. Um, Detective Pikachu takes place in the Pokemon universe, right? Whereas Sonic is one of these movies where it takes place in our world, and they have to kind of explain how that works. And they did a pretty good job, but I felt like it was more of a. To me, it felt like a Nickelodeon movie. But I would totally watch it again because I feel like there's a lot of stuff in there that I missed. But at the same time, I feel like there's not. Like you see it at once, and um, I th- I think definitely they're they're going to probably make another one. Uh, that movie did well at the box office. Um, yeah, I think uh, I still think that um, the original animations were a publicity stunt. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. There's no way that they they could have redone that entire movie with the new. New and newly designed and animated Sonic in the amount of time that they did without, you know, someone committing suicide. Um, but it's just like one of those things, you know, the, I would probably have not seen that movie if it wasn't for the people that I had talked to saying that it was actually pretty good, you know, and which is, which is fair. Right. Uh, and I don't even know what the, the critic reviews are for that one. Uh, Sonic. I mean, <laughs> We're, we're certainly super off topic now, so it I doesn't know. even matter. Okay, well, so here, here's a here's a good 
this is the prime example. Okay, so the critic review gives it a sixty-three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which, which is actually fairly good. It's a good movie, but the audience score is a ninety-three percent. That's a huge, huge variation. That's why when I'm buying video games that I haven't researched a lot, first website I go to is Metacritic, and then I look at user reviews. Right. Because a user review is not curated by the internet. A user review is somebody who's just adding their review. Right. It's just like someone that played the game. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Uh, User reviews on Steam, (laughs) completely different. Because if you look at some of them, they're hilarious. Uh, Yes. Let's just like look up Skyrim. Oh, my goodness. You're out of control tonight. Know, Season I'm, two is off I'm the rails. Nuts. Okay, so oh, the nice thing about Steam now is it keeps that my birthday's. Uh, I was born in 1904. Um, okay, so user reviews: 166.3 hours on record. Recommend. The review is it's Skyrim. Uh, another one: 286.3 hours. Guys gives them 10 out of 10, 175 hours, 69 hours. 30, like, so it's like these, all these recommended reviews are just, Oh my, that was a great one. Recommended eat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and right. <with> that, <laughs> right. So, we're gonna... so, so you gotta be, you gotta be careful of like what review, right what reviews you're reading because uh i think the steam if we if we had to go based off game reviews steam reviews are probably the least accurate of them all i'd agree i mean what i've learned here in the last 20 minutes of conversation is endgame was better than revenge of the sith oh you want to start that now and nintendo is dropping (laughs) a new paper mario game (laughs) Called the Origami oh, yeah. King. Out of nowhere, too. Well, you kind of thought it was coming based off of that Nintendo teaser a few weeks ago, where they were like, oh, yeah, like these are like, you just thought retro stuff was coming, and everybody assumed it was going to be like a new Super Mario, like Galaxy, or you were going to get a possible well, Sunshine port. There's been rumors that they are re- that there's going to be doing a uh, Mario galaxy or uh bar 64 plus sunshine collection type thing you know what i was thinking as i was playing my um tricked out nintendo um uh, super nintendo classic what if nintendo released a second super mario all-stars like you remember how it was just the like the core nintendo games re-release for super nintendo yeah Maybe, Maybe that's going to be the thing. Well, it'll be, be like a $120 cool. game, and you get all those. I It couldn't be $120. Well, they I mean, would, it wouldn't sell at $120. It would sell at $79.99 yeah. because people are stupid. But here's the thing, though. If they were to release a collection with Super Mario Sunshine, Super Mario Galaxy 1 and 2, Super Mario 64, uh, what else? That's really about it. I would buy uh, that. At, probably new Super Mario Bros. or Super Mario Bros. Uh, they already released new Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe. Yeah. Oh, so they just reported the game a third time. Yeah. So I think if they were to release one with like the the 3D platformers, I would I would buy that for eighty bucks. Oh, Super Mario 3D Land. 
Oh yeah, true. They could really, really, they could add that. So like, but that's the thing. If if Nintendo were to release a uh, collection of, like I said, the 3D platformers for eighty bucks Canadian, uh, I I think that would be more than yeah, that would be more than uh, value enough. Let's talk words. Let's talk about the Origami King a little bit. What were your immediate thoughts when you saw the uh, the trailer? Uh, Neat. That that is a, a fair assessment. <laughs> I, I love the the open sequence, right? Like in the palace. Yes. Um, so the cool thing that I I I first noticed, actually, um, yes, it's a Paper Mario game, so it's going to look inherently the same as pretty much any other Paper Mario game that has come out. But it looks as if they are back to a turn-based battle system. Yeah, very RPG style, but like... But because the original Paper Mario was like Super Mario RPG 2. You knew that, right? Right? Like Super Mario RPG came out on the uh, Super Nintendo. And then Paper Mario kind of took that RPG uh, gameplay and the comedic style of the game and uh, made it another Super Mario RPG, but in a uh, a new kind of like style. Yeah, style. I guess that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> but so with Sticker Star and Color Splash, they got away from that whole, like there's no real reason for battling. There's no leveling up and all that stuff. But I feel like I'm hoping, right, that they've gotten back to that and, add some depth to the game rather than just making it another 3d adventure game. Yeah. I love this I, question. I, Is Paper Mario, the origami King being released for the Nintendo switch 3ds PS4 or Xbox one. Yeah, I know. I, I probably sent a terrible article. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I, I literally sent it to you because just above that is, um, Sorry guys! Wow, I what just was that? <laughs> I caught my own wind and almost choked on my own <laughs> my own breath. Um, I was gonna say the one thing I loved about the tra- the trailer, which I have on in the background just uh, while we're talking, is the the comedic replies are very witty. Like right answer, wrong answer, it matters not. Your your replies are all paper thin. Yeah, false. That's pretty clever. Well, that's the thing. Like the Paper Mario games, as well as the Mario and Luigi games, which are have been traditionally like the, I would say the the successor to the Super Mario RPG kind of style. Um, they have been very comedic. Like they they poke fun at themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like they know. Like the the thing about the Paper Mario games is that everyone knows that they are made out of paper. So they make jokes around the fact that, you know, everything's made out of paper. And, and uh, so the fact that they like in this one, you know, like, like you said, you know, like your answers matter, not they're paper thin, blah, 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 blah. Like they just kind of like play into the fact that this is the same Mario world that we know, but it's different at the same time. Yeah, the the other thing I really appreciated about this trailer in particular was the vivid coloring. Like, it's very, like, doesn't it take you back to sitting in a dark basement playing, like, on the Nintendo 64, but also not? 
Like I just I got such a nostalgic kick off this one versus other Paper Mario titles in the past. It was very like the the color really hit home a little bit more compared to some other times. I think they they're using a a they're using the contrasts and the different colors much more strategically. Yeah, um, if, if you look at it, like there's a lot of things that take place in, you know, like water levels. So there's lots of bright blues, but it's not just like there's it's, it doesn't look like everything's the same, you know, like the water is very detailed for, what it is you know then there's uh like some sort of desert area which is you know lots of oranges and yellows and it's it's atmospheric but it's also very bright and i think that's also what makes these games just draw you in it makes you want to keep playing because you never know what the next area is going to be right kind of like um super mario odyssey right oh incredible Every every world was just something so different, and they just did such a great job at creating this unique and inviting uh, world that you just kept wanting to play because you kept wanting to see what was next. And there was always something else to kind of explore during the uh, you know, like at like going back into those the worlds that you've so 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 called completed right because there's like what like 300 moons or something like that and it only takes what 900 moons total something like that yeah and it only takes like 12 or 20 to to beat a a world essentially yeah right so there's so much to that game and i'm i'm hoping i'm really hoping that uh the new paper mario game comes back to the roots of what made paper mario great and that's you know a great story, uh, RPG mechanics. I know some people don't like like the turn-based RPGs, but I think the way that they did it was very strategic. Like the battles weren't they weren't boring in the sense that you select your command and that's it. Every uh, attack that you did, you had to participate in that in one way or another, right? Whether it be like timing a button at a certain uh, a timing a button press or, you know, moving the joystick in a certain way and stuff like that. So it was a very active battle system, which made it more engaging. And when you beat a boss, it was satisfying. So I'm hoping that they go back to that. Um, But at the same time, you know, like Color Splash and Sticker Star kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. Um, So... I'm I'm gonna be a little wary on this one. It's not necessarily gonna be a day one buy for me. Do you think though Nintendo's up to something maybe a little bit bigger? Like club I, like clubhouse games. No, no, no. <laughs> I I didn't even write that on our list. I know, I just um, thought about it right now. So an eagle-eyed Redditor noticed that the, the trailer dropped on May 14th and the game comes out on the, the 17th of July. Do you know how many days apart that is? Uh, at least 10. Take a wild guess as to a predominant Nintendo number that that would be apart. 69. So close. It was 64. The, and with um, backward code that has been found from the Nintendo Switch... 
and other leaked documents from Nintendo, people are really starting to grab onto this idea that you're either going to see possibly a Nintendo 64 Mini or a Nintendo 64 Virtual Console brought forth to the Switch. I think we'll Either see one that. I'd be okay with. I think we'll see a Virtual Console before we see a Mini 64. And my reasoning for that, because I was going to uh, say that before we mutually agreed, was I think Nintendo took a little bit of a, like I know both the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo sold very well everywhere. But it was also insanely hackable. And they could have made more money by releasing more games on it. You could have sold the unit for $200 with like 50 games on it instead of 20. Something stupid like that. I don't know. With a virtual console, they will control what 64 games come out perfected. Because I know right now they're in a legal battle with these people who ported out uh, Super Mario 64 to PC. It's interesting to think about because we could be moving into the next virtual console slash um, mini reveal. And I think, actually, I'm fairly confident if you were to do a virtual, if I were Nintendo, I would do a virtual Nintendo 64 and I would release a mini GameCube. That's what I would do. I would make the mini GameCube also be able to play GameCube discs just for fun. Because I'm crazy like that. Yeah, you are crazy. Um, the problem with the Nintendo controlling virtual console stuff, like with, is that we are at the mercy of them to release games. Uh, in the last what six months, we've had two new Super Nintendo games added to the library, and they're kind of yeah. like meh games, right? Um, that's the problem. I would love to have, I would love to have N sixty four on on uh the nintendo switch i think that would be great um but at the same time i think nintendo needs to revamp their virtual console on the system i don't care if i have to buy the games again even if it's you know like four or five bucks sure i will pay that much money to play those games but with it being tied to the nintendo switch online and then just being limited to the games that they release. And I understand that there's, you know, legalities behind licensings and stuff like that. You know, like certain games that either Nintendo no longer owns the rights to because say like the developer now works for Microsoft or whatever. Right. Um, there's, there, there's a whole bunch of legalities behind it, but I think yeah. Nintendo hasn't always been the greatest at uh, listening to the games that or listening to what gamers want to play, right? You know, wh- why is Super Mario RPG not on the Super Nintendo? Uh, it is on mine. For, for, for Switch, you know? Um, yeah. Things like Earthbound and, and all these other games that would really add value to the whole um, Nintendo Switch Online library, they're not there. And, and why, right? Like Nintendo has made some fumbles in the past, uh, like Mother 3. So like Earthbound 3, which came out for the Game Boy Advance in Japan. But they said that they there was no plans ever to release it in North America. So then it ended up having to be translated by fans, which they did a, a great job. But it's like the, Nintendo could have made money doing this. So 
I don't think that they're going to release a, a hardware device, but I feel like it's more likely that they could release a, uh, a software like emulator version on, on the uh, Nintendo switch. Hell, you know what? I would even buy a cartridge that is just like a Nintendo collection. Yeah. Right. But like what it's so hard being a Nintendo fan wanting them to do well with the switch and what they can come up with, but also seeing like the, the insane prices for for what things are now and like people aren't receiving games as well as they could have like animal crossing was the game everybody needed for a quarantine i haven't picked mine up in a week you monster Easily. i know right i'm trying to get rid of some of my villagers anyways but it's now we're sitting here at this time, like we're sitting in the middle of May going, oh my God, we want more Nintendo content. And Nintendo's about to like drop a Nintendo, or, like a Mario collection for the ages. Hopefully it's not confirmed, but obviously. Are but... you going to pay 50 to $79 for every single title that they're going to possibly drop just to replay games that you played in the past? Or are you going to pay $150 to get a virtual console or not a virtual console, a mini console or an additional $15 for a virtual console? Like, well, like where, the where's is, the like, limit? Like I, I would probably buy, like I would buy the console just because it's a collectible item. Right. And, and I w- it would be cool to have, but my NES classic and my SNES classic, you know, I haven't used them in forever, mostly because I don't have enough HDMI ports to hook up, but you know, it's, it's one of those things like I, I would play my switch. I play my switch more than I would play those. And, being able to play the Super Nintendo games or, you know, and Nintendo games that I want to play on my Switch would be way better than having to have a whole other system set up. Um, I I don't know. Like, I know that Nintendo said that uh, ever since Bowser joined on, I guess they were doing less Nintendo directs and more um, tree or clubhouses and stuff, but like doing, they're going to still do like the major ones, you know, like once every, like, you know, four or five months or something like that. Um, whereas Nintendo would originally have like the mini directs every, almost like every month. Right. They're going to be doing less of those and kind of following what they did with the uh, origami King reveal. Just, you know, one Wednesday morning, dropping a trailer, right? And I think there's because really, when you think about it, there's no release date for anything in the next few months, right? Like there's Origami King, there's Clubhouse Games, um, there's Xeno Gears Chronicles Remastered, right? But for the most part, like over the next like six months we don't really know what's coming out. Um, and I think that's what Nintendo's going to be doing is to kind of keep that whole like guessing game going and that continued excitement rather than having like a big video released and then be like, Oh, yep. We're, we're going to show you uh, reveal trailers for these next six games, but you know, they're not coming out for nine months. Whereas look at origami King comes out in like a month and a half. Right. So yeah. July 17th, I believe. Yeah. It 
it so it comes out in yeah a month and a half from once they revealed it which really is no time at all um i know that nintendo said that they're they're not going to be releasing or revealing games until they're like 90% done or 99% done right which is good because then when they announce games let's take um metroid prime 4 for example right that was announced at e3 what in 2018 2017 but then the um and then yeah so then nothing right all and all it was was just the uh, the metroid prime sound the theme song and a four and the title and then nothing for like a year and a half two years and then they announced that they went to the like they're redoing the game from scratch right was that a fumble on nintendo's part for announcing it when they did i think so right because they got all this hype up with no release date and then they're like oh yeah you know we're we're you know we we apologize we're so sorry um we need more time. We're redoing this. Right. And Nintendo's always been really good at about apologizing for when they have to, you know, delay a game. Right. Like they did it with animal crossing. Right. I think. Uh, Animal crossing wasn't delayed. I think it was just, they never announced the time. And then they were like, here's the time. Yeah. I I don't remember. There was one that they delayed and they're like, we're so sorry, please, you know, like give us a little bit more time, blah, 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 blah. Like Nintendo's really good at that. But, you know, I think moving forward, they are going to try to they're going to try to avoid that kind of stuff. Um, and and by doing so, that just means that they are going to we're going to start seeing uh, launch trailers or announcement trailers uh, kind of sporadically throughout the year. And which, which I'm hopeful for. Yeah, which is good, because that means that there's less waiting for a game to come out. <laughs> right like if you don't know that it's in the works right no one knew that the new paper mario was being made until you know three days ago right there but was now like the odd like rumbling that people thought it was possibly happening yeah but like nothing's confirmed until nintendo says right so with that being said there is um i think it's a good thing if they continue on this way where you know it's like okay well hey bill uh, when do you want to release the trailer for Super Mario Sunshine 2? I don't know. Wednesday at 2 p.m.? Okay, why not, right? And then it's like, holy shit, Super Mario Bros. Super Mario Sunshine 2 comes out Thursday. That's two days from now, right? Like, just that type of excitement. And that's, I think, I don't know. That's kind of like the excitement that I had as a kid getting Nintendo games. Right. Well, to be honest with you, I think that's one thing that I'm I'm starting to anticipate from Bowser and the rest of the team now. Like, I feel like we're going to be sitting there June 9th or June 6th when E3 was supposed to happen. All of a sudden, Nintendo's going to like like there are plans by different people in the industry to still drop trailers around that time. But I feel like Nintendo's going to be like, we're not just dropping a trailer. Check the eShop. Let's go. Well, that's the thing. Nintendo's always been really good at that, though, right? Uh, on a lot of their, the last few E3 directs that they've done, they have either had um, games release at on the eShop, like go live then, or they've released demos for games. Um, so I, I think that Nintendo's going to keep on with that 
which it works in the past. How many times have you bought or downloaded a demo for something um, that they just announced? Right. I think last year was uh, like Contra Collection, Castlevania Collection, and, and there's like Yoshi's Crafted World. Yeah. Um, a lot of the times for me, I go check it out and then see that it's like how much it is, and then I wait for it to go on sale. But that's not the point. The fact that they release things right away and that they now are able to do that when you think about it, right? Like their system is, you know, in more than in one way or another is essentially connected to the internet. So they have the means to do that. They have the people behind, you know, that have bought the system that are going to be either if they're, even if they're not looking or watching the E3 reveal, they're going to see that that new game is up there next time that they load up the eShop, right? Yeah. But that is a fact. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm hoping for, I'm hoping that we get more of these regular reveals because it, it just keeps the excitement going for, What's Nintendo doing next, right? Which we don't know. It was like another um, kind of at a left field trailer we got the other day when Activision was just like, hey, you guys want to play uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater again? Well, we're going to re-release one and two as one single game. Right? Yeah, I was actually really surprised. And I was like, what the, like new Tony Hawk? Okay. But then I saw that it was Tony Hawk Pro Skater one and two. It's missing some big tracks, though, like Bring the Noise by Anthrax and Public Enemy. Yeah. It was like one of the staples to that that franchise. But at the same time, you know, it's probably, well, guaranteed it's a licensing issue, right? Um, yeah. Mine was uh, Ace of Spades. Isn't that still in the game, though? I Yeah, I think so. But that was well, like I the one... The- that was the one track that I just like listened to all the time, but I don't know if that was in Tony Hawk Pro Skater Two. I it might have been. I think three. that was in Underground. No, I think it was in in three. The biggest one in one and two was Goldfinger Superman. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, the stupid part about this, and like, I was talking to a buddy about this because we downloaded it. Do you remember when? the Xbox 360 got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD and it was a collection of the levels from the first two games. No. So the, yeah, so there was a version of Tony Hawk called Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD where this trailer kind of pissed me off a little bit because it showed the polygons, right? And then they showed like the new render graphics with all these beautiful lightings and um, all these advancements. But Tony Hawk's Pro Skater like HD was phenomenal if you wanted to just play some Tony Hawk. And like I know the communities now, like, because we're greedy as hell, are like, no, we wanna we want a port of underground. Let's go. Let, let's build our own skate careers, right? Mm-hmm. And like way to overshadow um sorry, overshadow the skater XL game that's coming out this month. Just out of nowhere. Wait, there's a new skater game? Yeah, I believe it's called Skater XL. I believe that is the um, the full title. Um, yeah. Skater XL is coming out July 2020. I thought it was June. It is a Steam game as well as a PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and Nintendo Switch. Uh, Skater XL is a headfirst dive into the skateboarding world where style, creativity, and the perfect tricks is yours to define. Um, create, combine, and style tricks with unparalleled bull... Uh, unparalleled board control as you hit iconic California locations. 
Skater XL coming out July 2020 from Easy Day Studios. I mean, it looks pretty good. It kind of looks like a skate game, but you know, EA is not going to make one of those anytime soon. No. Although EA is probably like, oh my God, skate games are popular again. We should probably get on this. Yeah. Like, the, the characters look so bad, though. In like, Skater XL? Yeah, like yeah, the um, kind the of graphics um, look really far behind. Yeah, and and they the characters look like they're kind of very rigid. Probably the best thing about Tony Hawk's was like the blood. You could like fall on a landing and then slide like just face plant along. Oh, the when whole- you were doing um, what's it called uh, downhill? Yeah, it, it's just funny. So I, I, graphics, I think I'm definitely going to get the Tony Hawk when that Oh, comes. I think so, too. Um, I just I took a screen grab of one of the, the graphics for the game. This game looks like it was probably produced for the GameCube. Like, the, the polygons don't look too, too bad. Like, the buildings are rendered okay. Kind of reminds me a little bit more like a Vice City kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. It's amazing they got the rights to the Staples Center to actually put Staples Center on the building for downtown LA. But like the road looks crappy, the trees look crappy, the yeah. signs look crappy. Everything looks the textures yeah. are awful. The character models like they just look like they're staring into nothing, like dead eyes, and their legs look broken. So the funny thing is, is like it's it's an early access on Steam. Um, and one interesting thing is that the game requires, like you have to use an Xbox 360, an Xbox one PS3 or PS4 controller, uh, to play the game. There is zero, absolutely no keyboard controls. I mean, this would be a pretty hard game to play on a keyboard. I'd assume. I'm I'm not, not, not necessarily. Right, it's just button combinations and, and shit, but it's just it looks so bad. Yeah, I, I I can't believe I'm still like watching this. It's just awful looking. It's like a train wreck. But yes, I'm very excited for Tony Hawk to uh, be rolling to a console uh, come September, I believe. That's huge. I mean, not as huge as what PS Five is promising i guess with the unreal engine reveal uh, and the fact yeah. that it claimed it was on the playstation 5 doubt hey i i thought the um the really big key things to me were like the nanite textures like i watched uh the breakdown video and it's like millions and millions of triangles put together to make those textures and the textures look great but you said it yourself. Like I don't think we're going to see this kind of tech till easily twenty twenty one. Well, I think and, you know, like uh, Unreal, it's their game engine, right? Like they know the ins and outs of it. They can really optimize it to show off what it's capable. So, just kind of like if you look at the PS three or the Xbox three hundred and sixty, for example, we saw tech demos of what that system was able to do. But it wasn't until like much later in the lifespan of those consoles where games were really starting to look like that, right? Because developers just don't have the time 
or the money to really focus on learning the new ins and outs of these of these uh, uh, game engines to be able to create the same level of quality and content that you know Unreal could do with their in-house software. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be. You know, at least minimum, bare minimum, a year into the lifespan of the Series X or the PS5, where we start seeing games that look remotely close to the level of quality that the Unreal Engine 5 demo showed. Do you remember when we were talking about Inside Xbox? So last episode or two episodes ago, where we were like, okay, Sony's move is next, right? Watching this tech demo, which they clearly said was on the PS5, you see the Sony logo come up when he's like, or she's um, investigating that um, the statue. I feel like this was a misstep. I think Epic Games could have come out with the Unreal Tech demo and not said what console it was. But I like, I, from my understanding, Sony paid to be the one that was yeah. shown off in this scenario. Yeah, and you know what? What Sony, is that? Sony probably. Sorry. Pulled- Sony probably put money into creating the tech demo as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so here's my question for you then. All right. So, knowing everything we know about inside Xbox, they showed a bunch of third-party games that are going to be available on both consoles, with demos pretty much running off the One X, correct? As far as we know, yes. Okay. So then they show off this, whatever this beautiful look. The game kind of looked between uh like an uncharted and a tomb raider it looked kind of fun I, I thought it could have had a it looked beautiful right but sony just shot themselves in the foot yet again do you know what microsoft didn't do they Shoot didn't show you they didn't show you a bunch of clips of halo and cyberpunk and other like i know cyberpunk's going to come out before the consoles do but they didn't show off a bunch of stuff that you're going to want to not buy games that are still coming out on the Xbox One. I mean, with smart delivery, it makes it a little bit different. But Sony has two AAA titles coming out in the coming months. You can't show off shit from your PS5 right now because it's going to make your Last of Us 2 and your Ghost of Tsushima look like absolute bullshit if you're showing off that kind of video. Like, why would you buy that? Or, like, why would you buy any of those games if you know they're not going to look like that on the new console? Yeah. You're going to buy a game that you can play for four months and then not play it again because it's not um, compatible with the PS5? Well, they said that they're going to have at least 100 games comp- backwards compatible on the PS5. I think what Sony needs to do, and you know what? I They probably will have some sort of upgrade program that Microsoft has, but I don't think they can announce it, right? Like they can't make a big announcement that saying, oh yeah, we're going to have a free upgrade program. Like any games that you have that are on PS4 that are also coming out on PS5, you'll just have the the option to upgrade it for free, right? If they do that, then it's just going to be like, oh, they're copying, they're copying Microsoft because they PR nightmare, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I think I would be shocked if they did not have some sort of system in place. Uh, like that, but 
we won't know until the PS5 is released because, yeah, like you said, it's a PR nightmare for them right now. I just I believe this was a poor decision for them to put their name on an untitled game that's probably going to be available on both consoles. I mean, unless Epic is producing them something on their own, which is very possible. But you'd assume if Epic's making it, PC is also going to be a possibility for that game. Yeah. What, what, like, who was sitting there at Sony's office and was like, okay, guys, inside Nintendo, I mean, inside Xbox, it wasn't great, but it wasn't like, it, it was good, but it wasn't the best. We've got to do something to retaliate. I think we need to just put our names on something right now and have it. Like, you have two massive games coming out, or one massive game and one leak game to, Tall hell. But now anything that you show off beyond Ghost of Tsushima or The Last of Us is going to look like a steaming pile of dog shit. You're just going to want whatever's on the PS5 because right now you don't know what games are going to be portable. You know it's going to be NBA 2K and Madden. You know those ones are going to be ported for sure because they're the same. They've already like confirmed Madden's going to be next-gen. On Xbox, so you'd assume it's going to be on PlayStation as well. Yeah, and it's going to look the exact same, right? Like, yeah, Sony's in a unique situation because they they were late to revealing the the hardware specs of their system, right? And when they did, it's I wouldn't say it's significantly lower than the Series X, but you know, it is on paper not as powerful as Microsoft's console. So they were late in doing that. Um, and now Microsoft has already re- announced or revealed a lot of games that are either coming out or will be um, upgradable for the Series X. And yep. Sony hasn't done anything, right? I feel like Sony is just like holding, like m- maybe they're going to be doing a, a massive E3. This this E3 will be a, a good one to keep an eye on. Um. With everything being, you know, kind of still under lockdown and all these big conferences being canceled, uh, Sony and I'm pretty sure Sony and Microsoft has said that they're going to be doing a digital show. Yeah, Microsoft uh, will be in July. So I, this is a great time for for these companies to really focus on creating um, something, and Sony has definitely got to do something to win the show you know like prove to us that the ps5 is going to be a like a viable successor to the ps4 and be able to compete with the xbox series of consoles right yeah i i I don't know it's just i think they're so far behind right now that they are playing catch up but you know what this might be good right because uh, when the ps4 and the xbox one launched it was the other way around Right, like Microsoft was playing catch up just on features and you know user uh, accessibility, or you know, you know, like a a proper way to I don't know treat your your fans, right? Like without having to constantly be online to play your physical games and and all that stuff, right? So Microsoft, oh, yeah. and, and we had mentioned this before in pre- previous episodes, Microsoft has come a long way in terms of 
um, their their infrastructure for how their system is designed and how you know the gamers and the fans can interact with the system and and how it works to be more accessible for for anyone really like whether or not you want to buy your games whether or not you want to get game pass or or however right whereas sony now i think is playing catch up right like they're they they just announced that they had like an extra like two million subscribers to playstation now but yeah well it was 25 percent off you know a few weeks ago or a month ago or whatever um and and they're slowly adding, you know, like some AAA titles to that, um, you know, from the PS4. But yeah, I feel like they're playing catch up. And even with the the release of the PS5, they're still going to be playing catch up for that. Yeah, it's good. It's going to be very tough for them to, I think, stay relevant in the early parts of this console war. I mean, so many things can change. But if you remember correctly. They Sony announced that they weren't even participating in E3, and that was before COVID even happened. Yeah, and now like they could use COVID as an excuse, but like we don't forget that kind of stuff either. I think it'll be very interesting. I anticipate they're going to show some first party stuff in August after Microsoft's kind of shown off their thing. If they were smart, they would get the jump on Cyberpunk before Microsoft had a chance to do a tech demo for it or another tech demo for it. But you don't know. I'm actually kind of glad that I decided to get Cyberpunk on uh, Xbox over PlayStation. I pre-ordered it. On, well, I think I pre- I don't pre-order anything for PlayStation. I think you I have The Last of Us 2 pre-ordered, but I don't need the internet to play that game, so it's fine. True. <laughs> My PlayStation literally is just for first per- like person games. First person games? First party games? Or- I mean, for one-player games. Single-player games. And in all honesty, I don't foresee myself getting a PS5 right away, and I might use my PS4 to upgrade to the Xbox Series X because then I can have two Xboxes. One for each room. Like Um, one for the 4K TV and one for the streaming gaming setup. Yeah. Um, Like, I um, I think after The Last of Us 2 my retirement from Sony might be more of a permanent thing to be honest. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah. I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I've, I mean, Oh, sorry. I'm just knocking stuff off my desk. Um, the life cycle I've had, like I had two PS fours. I had a PS four. got really bored of it, sold it. And then I ended up getting another PS four shortly after, um, all, all things went upside down in my life and I was in a pretty dark place. And mm-hmm. um, my girlfriend bought a PS4 for me, like while I had the Xbox already just to give me something new. Cause she said, uh, you need, something I needed to new. do, I needed to do something different than was in my own routine, my old routine. And she got me like a few games and it was just something to keep me busy and it worked for the time. But I mean, I don't think I've played a game on the PlayStation personally in like eight months. And Chris would play like we got um, Kingdom Hearts uh, Christmas for Krissa and she's played the first few levels and then we moved <laughs> and the PlayStation is just kind of we use it as a Blu-ray player on the TV. But we also learned that the Xbox One X will 
play 4K video, whereas the PlayStation will not. <laughs> so there's yeah. that too. Yeah. That's the other reason we want to run two Xboxes. So we have yeah. the 4K DVD player. and I'm probably going to hold off on buying a PS5 until I can get it like in a bundle with something. Yeah, so Christmas 2021? Something like that, yeah. Like the Which Xbox is- I will have day one. Yeah, same. You know, it's it's I I've decided. I think we we both decided that we're you know we're gonna get the Xbox at launch, um, and I think a, a big thing is that they've pretty much made it so that a lot of the games that we have we won't need to rebuy, right? Because we can just put them in our new Xbox Series X and and play them, and that's the big thing. That's like the the biggest thing is that. Every time you go from one generation to another, there's that whole transition period, right? Like having to buy new media, new games and stuff like that. Like even when it was like DVD to Blu-ray, right? You know, I know people who who don't have a Blu-ray player because they have all their collection on DVD. And to them, they're like, oh, well, I don't have to rebuy everything. Well, it's like you don't technically when it comes to movies like that, right? But with games, yeah, like we're, Nintendo is a prime example. You know, they re-release their games and, you know, you'll end up buying it because if you want to play it on that system, you have to buy it again, right? Whereas Microsoft is making it more accessible where if you want to play it on their new system, well, you've already bought it. So you should be able to play it, which is really cool. And I commend them for that. Yeah, it's like... Take a page out of their book. (laughs) Yeah, like... I don't know. Every time I see more and more stuff about both consoles, I just get less excited about the PS5. And this time I was just, I was mad at the PS5 because like, I know for sure I'm probably buying one more PlayStation game. Like Ghost of Tsushima looks cool, but I don't think I'd buy it. It's not like a game really for me. Like I want to play the last of us too, but that's probably it. I don't, I well, just the, don't use my PlayStation. Like you're you're missing out on a huge, huge library of like of great games, you know. And and the thing is, is with the used game market as well, you can get them for for fairly cheap. Some very good good single player games with you know hundreds of hours of content. You just have to kind of be open to trying different things, and not everything can be Madden twenty. Like Madden's not even up. Like I'm playing Madden right now because I just, I wanted to play a sports game. I went on to EA access and there's a ton of stuff on EA access. Um, But I wanted to play a sports game. Cause I'm just like, I know you don't like sports as much as I do, but COVID has ruined my ability. Like there's just no sports. I watched European soccer the other day. Loved it <laughs> because that's all that was on. And that NASCAR is back. There's stuff to watch. That's like competitive. So for me, like throwing on Madden and I downloaded um, Rory McIlroy's Golf. I also redownloaded Battlefront um, because my file was corrupt. But I mean, those like those aren't the only games I'm playing right now. Yeah, I'm playing Call of Duty a lot. Like I'm playing um, Modern Warfare in particular a lot. But I still am running through. Like I'm almost done Two Point Hospital, which I've been working on. Um, I've been working on a second save of Red Dead um, just because, like, I want to fix the mistakes that I made in the last game. Like, there's a lot of games that 
are out there. I've started going through the Game Pass library. I'm really upset that I didn't have enough time to beat Doom before it got removed. But, I mean, I'll have another opportunity to do so. Yeah, it's Doom just, is uh, on sale all the time, and it's super cheap. I may not be as open to like playing a bunch of uh, the smaller games as you are. But, like, I, I know what I like. I know what I'm open to. Like, the problem with me even is, like, I just don't have time. And now that I have all this time, I'm reconnecting with friends that I haven't like played games with in a while. And we're just playing call of duty because that's a social game. You play while you socialize. That's just how it is. Like I'm still working on trying to even start outer worlds <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. I one I, game of the year for some categories and I just haven't gotten around to it. Oh yeah. I like, I got borderlands three and I was playing that and I was like, Oh, this would be a fun game to, you know, play with someone. Sean. I've almost bought it twice, man. I almost yeah. bought it twice. And you then I was just like, God. Deluxe edition, super deluxe edition for like 50 bucks. Or I could have bought MLB the show for $79. Yeah, that game is about every year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the funny thing is, so I was like, you know what? Like, I want to play this game with someone else. And I, I, so I put my party to public and eventually someone joined in and I was in the middle of uh, fighting a, not like a boss, but like a, like a side quest boss monster thing. Yeah. And then the guy went to a different map and it pulled me in there. And I was like, son of a bitch. So <laughs> then I kicked him out of the game and I literally had to travel like literally across like a, a whole freaking map again to get back where I was. But and you're I, enjoying it, right? Yeah, it was fun. It, you know, it, it's funny, right? Like the, the the Borderlands games are they're comedic, right? So you you don't play them for a like they're they're good shooters. I think they they are are they're you know quality first person shooters. But you don't play them because you want to play a a serious game. You know, like one of the guys literally. Uh, one of the side quests is I had to change a bunch of these like weird statue things with a statue of this guy. And in order to create one, I had to take down three wanted posters from him. But he, all he does in the game is where he just wears a cape and underwear, like whitey tighties. So like one of the posters is literally just <laughs> of his crotch and it's just like, oh, we're so stupid. Right. But it's funny. Like there's so much, comedic dialogue in that that it makes the game fun to play by yourself but then at the same time it's like one of those things that if uh you know you have friends you can play it socially and enjoy it all right so here's what i'm (laughs) going to say say to you before we get out of here today i sean will play something new this week now, keep in mind, I haven't played Rory McIlroy's golf yet, so that could count as my new game. No, no, it's not; a, it can't be a sports game. Bullshit! No, that's not fair because you're you're gonna play a sports game anyways. Yeah, but I haven't played golf yet. Fine, I will commit to playing a new game this week. By the time we record next, I will play a new game. I get a pick. No. Yes, I Fine. will pick the game that you play. It'll be off. Can you give me a choice of like four games and I get to choose? Sure. I will give you four games that you have to play or one of four games that you have to play and then you have to give us your review. 
Yeah, and I just I, downloaded that Batman game, um, Arkham City. Yeah, but have you played that before? No. Yes. <laughs> and you know, I tried to pretend I didn't. I'm gonna pick games that I know you that you that you wouldn't pick as your first pick of a game to play. Like what? I don't know. Like Outer Worlds is right there, and I still haven't played it. I don't yeah, know why I haven't you, played it. But you know, I because let's see what's on Game Pass right now, real quick. Uh, well, the only games that are compatible for my. Uh, I just opened up my Xbox on my computer, and the only thing that I have that's compatible is Jackbox. <laughs> I don't have anything. If I go into Game Pass, I should be able to tell you. Oh, How do you like, get into there's, Game there's Pass? There's a ton in here. Like Munchkin, Quacked Quest. Yeah, but those are indies. I don't want to play indies. No. I want to play real games. See, no, that's the thing. That's the thing, though. You got to play what I tell you to play. Oh my god, Golf with Friends is available on Game Pass. Uh, we need to download that. It's a good one. Just yeah, just so you know, like it looks fun as hell. All right, um, I'll give you the choices. I will either play the Outer Worlds. No, it's not that. That's not how this works. All right, you're gonna <laughs> play the You're gonna play the games that I tell you to play, and then, and then you have to give us your review of them. Oh, what is um? Oh, I'm, I guess I'm only looking at the PC library, so there's gonna be so many things different. Yeah. Okay, fine. You get to pick four games, and I will comply, sort of, to the best of my abilities. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I know. I'm open to it. Hey, Banjo Kazooie, what's that? Oh my God. Wow, you can actually play that on PC and Fusion Friendly? I'm never leaving this computer. How come Gears Tactic didn't show up? Because oh, there it is. Gears it's Tactic on, uh, isn't. It's not a play anywhere game. It's a PC only. Yeah, but I'm on X- Xbox Live or I'm on Xbox Game Pass, and I'm looking at the featured games, and it's not even the top ten. And I'm on my PC, so it should be. Wait, you have to buy. Why isn't it connected to my Game Pass? You probably this haven't logged in. Yet. I am logged in. Yeah, well, that's for a different show. Yeah. <laughs> All right. With, with that being said, Sean's um, going to figure out how to uh, actually work his computer. And yeah. I think I'm going to go I mean, watch uh, Mission Impossible Three. I no, you have to watch a new movie that you've never seen before, and I get to pick one of the four movies that you have to watch. Actually, you know, I, I was thinking about it. I don't remember ever watching Mission Impossible Three. I'm trying to remember the plot to it. I don't. Has anyone seen Mission Impossible Three? I don't. I don't uh, know. I honestly don't know. Man, they all kind of like going together. Are they all on Netflix? No, uh, we have the sixth movie Blu-ray collection. Ooh, yes, including the one where he breaks his leg, the newest yeah, one. Oh, yeah, yeah, he breaks. Damn, his leg. yeah. That did you get a good deal on that? Yeah, it was like twenty-five bucks for all six movies. That's actually really good. Yeah, it was great. Turns out that uh, Angela, as obsessed as she was to see Mission Impossible Fallout when that movie came out, had never seen any of the other Mission Impossible movies. So we've been going through it one by one. I had to watch Mission Impossible 2, the quite possibly the worst one ever made. That's the one in Australia, right? Yeah. 
with that movie could be about a half hour shorter if it didn't have all the slow-mo scenes. I'm, I'm trying to think of where this one falls. Isn't it like in the Vatican or something? I think so. I think it takes place in some place and with, yeah, I don't know. It's got some, yeah, you'll figure it out. Yeah. It's going to take me a while, but, uh, that's all the time we have for this show. Uh, we welcome you back to season two. We're very excited to be here. Please look forward to, to more exciting things coming to us from the future. If you're having a hard time finding this episode, I mean, you already found it because you listened to the whole thing, but we're going to be all over the place for the next little bit. And we're, we're hopeful that you enjoy the ride. We'll talk to you guys later. Peace.